So Bitcoin is, at this very moment, less volatile than the British pound. Last week, the British government told their citizens, we don't care that you made a mistake. We don't care that you don't want this. We're still going to move ahead with this monumentally stupid decision. Which is amazing because, again, this was a non-binding referendum that has utterly destroyed their country. But that's fine, because the only people still in the British government are the people who thought this was a good idea to begin with. And it is just the British government. No one else in the UK wants this. I'm pretty sure the entire Brexit thing was the result of a trading places style bet. And the Duke brothers are currently trading a single crisp dollar bill in a bathroom somewhere right now. When Bitcoin is more stable than your natural currency, you have made a poor decision. Bitcoin approached a valuation of $700 last week, which is insane. Because it's been hovering between $350 and $400 for the better part of two years. It's almost doubled. And I love Bitcoin. Most people I know hate it, but I love it. Because it's the only currency that you can lose on a thumb drive. And the British pound is currently less stable than that. I actually have a hard drive with something like $25,000 on it somewhere. And it will never be recovered, ever. Because I was mining back when Bitcoin first started. Even before people switched from CPUs to GPUs, which, if you're not technically oriented, sounds like nonsense. You've got a currency where $25,000 can simply be lost because someone swapped hard drives. And that's fine, because it was worth $20 back then, if that. Somewhere, someone else probably also dumped a bunch of Amazon stock before they became an actual company. It happens. Bitcoin, like gold, becomes more stable and more valuable when the rest of the world is going to shit. So, it's a great marker for whether or not terrible things are happening. If Bitcoin ever hits like $5,000 a coin, it's going to be because we've reached the literal end of days. But right now, most of the world is just locked into a panic about immigration and immigrants. And of course immigration is happening more often now. We created a global economy. We've intentionally connected all of our nations. And now we want to establish these insular walled gardens where people can look in but not participate. Yes, we're going to kill all your children in our textile factories, but God help them if they get a degree, work hard, and try to come here themselves. We just want coats, not people. Do you think maybe the United Kingdom is against immigration because the last time they immigrated somewhere, they slaughtered everyone who was already there and took their land? Like, the United States just goes to show that immigration is bad, just ask the Native Americans. Maybe we just shouldn't let the British go anywhere. The British are an excellent example of how important self-confidence and a sense of superiority really is. Because they are a very small country with not that many people. But they've managed to screw up just about every other country in some way, just because they thought they had the right to do so. Might makes right, but sometimes just sheer delusional narcissism can do it too. I have a friend who is trying to immigrate to Korea right now. And I say friend, but she's actually just someone who knows me and doesn't actively hate me. And last night was funny because it slowly dawned on her that there aren't any brown people in Korea. She's never seen a picture of a brown person in Korea, because they don't exist. Korea and Japan are two of the most insular cultures, and look how that's turned out for them. Not great. In fact, Korean culture is actually one of the craziest things I've ever experienced. It's like if you put Japan in a blender, and then you put the resulting mixture in a pressure cooker. Domestic abuse is still perfectly normal there. In fact, it's rampant. And it's interesting, because there's no psychological component. Like, in America, someone slaps you, you cry, you feel bad. 
In Korea, you slap your wife, your wife slaps you, and both of you just go on with your day because that's normal. I once saw Kai's girlfriend just wail on him for like five minutes straight. And when I went to intervene, I'm the one who got yelled at to mind my own business. Apparently, he had wanted that reaction from her because he was currently cheating on her with two other women, and her reaction showed him that she was still committed to him. Okay. And people don't realize what heavy drinkers Asians are, either. In both Korean and Japanese culture, there's no immoral component to drinking. You're not a bad person if you get blackout drunk and pass out in the gutter on your way home. In fact, it's kind of expected. And everything is very ritualized. If you drink with elders, the youngest pours. When you drink, you turn away from your elders as a sign of respect. Don't get me wrong. Japan did horrible, horrible things to Korea. Japan did horrible things to everyone, but they somehow got a free pass because we dropped atomic bombs on them. My family was already in Hawaii by the time Pearl Harbor occurred. In fact, the Japanese side of my family had already been living in Hawaii for three generations. And here's something they never tell you. They actually put us in internment camps after Pearl Harbor. They put us in internment camps for a while, and then they drafted us into the 442nd. But my family came over in 1877, which was during the time of a major samurai uprising. That's because the family member who initially came over was a samurai who was a coward. When all the other samurai were killing themselves and killing other people because of dishonor, he said screw this shit, took his sword, and then jumped on a boat to Hawaii. I am literally descended from the most cowardly samurai. There was an uprising going on, and he just grabbed his bug out bag and left. And I love it. I love it because that's exactly what I would do. Wouldn't the most cowardly samurai make a great children's book too? Like he's asked to quench his sword on the blood of a villager, but he's really squeamish, so he has to go on a soul searching adventure to find himself. And then he finally conquers his fears and kills that villager because children's story or not, we're still talking about 19th century Japan. And that's before the live vivisections. That is what happens when you have an insular culture. Things that don't really make sense start to make sense because you have no perspective from the outside. Suddenly, yeah, sure, let's take apart these twins and then sew them together like the Nazis did because that makes sense to us. That's what makes sense to us when there's no one from the outside looking in and going, hey, hold on now, that's a bit weird, sir. Alright guys, have a fantastic night. Tune in Monday through Friday at 6 o'clock p.m. Central and follow me on Twitter at jkiloindia.